But anyhow, they're celebrating 30 years of us being here as, as a family and us being here as pastor as well. And uh, <clears throat> during that time, Brother N.A. Urshan and Sister Urshan were here. Also, their son, Nathaniel Paul, was here. N.A. Urshan was, he's passed on, and Sister Urshan as well, but they were, he was the general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. They had come to be with us on that day and to, uh, to speak and so forth. Their son, Nathaniel Paul, who uh, pastors uh, in Indianapolis, uh, he was also here. And the irony about it is that the next morning on Monday morning, Urshan's, N.A. Urshan, his wife flew out very early. Very early, they got on a plane in Orlando and flew back to Indianapolis, or to St. Louis, where he was, they were living. And no problem, but during that flight, all this happened. And N.A. Urshan had a flight the next day. He was going to go to Disney World, I think, on that Monday. And then Tuesday, he was flying out. Couldn't do it. It didn't happen. Everything was shut down. He finally, finally rented a car, or tried to rent a car, couldn't rent a car, finally had to buy a car in, in, in Orlando to get back to his uh, church in Indianapolis. So he bought a car here, got up there, and somehow or another he sold it up there and got his money back. And, you know, all kinds of crazy things happened. But it was a day that we'll all very, very much remember. So uh, that puts our anniversary here at 45 years being with you as pastor, our Anniversary is really is in August last month, but at that time we had celebrated in September. I just wanted to tell you here that I'll never forget uh, this day because it was a day that shocked America. Uh, how many of you? Are, well, I don't know if I should ask you for hands, but I know many of you. Not not many of you. Some of you remember Pearl Harbor. Maybe I don't know. December seventh. I guess most of you don't. But there's a few of you that may remember Pearl Harbor. And I remember that I was just a boy. You know, I was a boy that was six years old. I was helping my dad wash the car. And he was, had the radio on, we were washing the car, and then he was waxing it and polishing it out in front of our house on a Sunday. And the, they broke in on the music and they announced that Pearl Harbor had been bombed. And boy, what a shocker that was. I never forget the expression on my father's face. Uh, when that happened, and he, I said, something's up. I was six years old. I said, something's wrong. I don't know what it is. I don't know what that, all that means. But my dad's facial expression, I knew something was wrong. He said, let's finish up here, son, and, we, and I want to go in the house. He went in the house, and my mother talked, and it changed our lives totally, you know, as far as that goes. And so I'm just trying to say how things like that can happen. You never forget them. And so we are remembering today especially giving honor to those who were the first responders to that 9-11 attack, especially on our trade towers. And uh, God bless these people, and we're going to be doing that at, uh, at, at, in, in the 11th, uh, the, the morning service. But today, right now, we're going to look into the Word of God. All right, everybody with me? Praise the Lord. God bless you. I uh, want us to turn in your Bibles, if you would, uh, to the 11th chapter of Romans. I'm not going to deviate from what we've been teaching on, but we have been talking here about Paul's writings to the Romans and how he explained that how it was possible for the Gentiles who were not under the law to be saved. He talked about it and ultimately that they're saved by grace and that through faith. And so it is by the grace of God that we Gentiles are saved. He went on to talk about how that the Jewish people lost out as a nation, not as individuals, but as a nation, 
they lost out with God because they would not believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And so through their unbelief, they lost their place or their standing with God. This happened all in the first century. Uh, and in the, in the Gentiles who did not have a place in God received a place in God because they did believe. It's all based on faith. Faith in the grace of God, praise the Lord. Faith is a response to God's grace. We are not saved by faith. We're saved by grace, but that through faith. Our faith, praise the Lord, is then our connection with the grace of God. So through our faith, then, we are saved because we believe what the Lord has done for us and that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and that he sacrificed. So Paul sort of winds it up and comes on down here toward the end of this little series here, and he wraps it all up here in the beginning of chapter 11. Romans 11 is a very, very important chapter, and I'm going to take a little time here and talk to you about it because it deals with the restoration of Israel. And uh, <clears throat> so he says here in chapter 11, verse 1, I'm going to repeat here what I had talked a little bit on last week, but just to repeat some basic things. It says here in 11, 1, I say then, hath God cast away his people, speaking of Israel. But then he says, God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the tribe, seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. And then he says in verse 2, God hath not cast away his people. In other words, God is not through with them. And then he explains this down in verse 7. He says, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, that is the the coming of the Messiah because they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, what then Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it. And the election were those Jews who became Christians when they, when they, they did believe. There was a, many of them. There were thousands of them of the Jewish people who said Jesus is the Messiah. And so they were, became the Christian Jews at that time. And they were in Jerusalem to start with, and then they began to scatter throughout all Judea, Samaria, and other parts, but never to the Gentiles. They only preached to the other Jews, and they were interested in converting Jews to Christianity, and, uh, and this was their goal. And so they were called the elect, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest, that is the rest of the Jews as a nation, Israel, were blinded. That is, they did not see or did not understand Jesus Christ to be the Messiah. Uh, we talked about this uh, last week a little bit in the sense that the Bible says in Second Corinthians where Paul says they were blinded by the God of this world, G-O-D. And it's a singular word, not gods, but God. A little g meaning one God, uh, the God of this world, and that, of course, would be Satan. And the God of this world is not the God of the earth, but the God of the world and the world is, the, is humanity and the spirit of the age. The word world comes from age, and it means the spirit of the age. So in every age, there is the spirit of that age. You know, the Romans, they, they had that spirit of, 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 of gladiators fighting, and they all cheered, and, and they had that terrible attitude, you know. They fed the Christians or the lions and all that kind of stuff. And so there is a spirit sometimes that can get in to the age and the day. The Bible says, love not the world. That's speaking of that spirit of the age. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, that is that spirit of the age. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Uh, the, the, 
the pride of life, the uh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and pride of life. These are of the world and not of the Father. I'm quoting here from First uh, John, uh, I think 2.15 is what I'm doing there. So what I'm trying to point out to you simply here is that we ourselves, hallelujah, are Gentiles who are saved by the grace of God that's been extended to us. And when the Jews failed, God then extended the gospel to the, to the grace, to the, to the Gentiles. When Jesus rose from the dead, he said to his disciples, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. Lord, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now that was the commission is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And the commission to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so they were to go everywhere and preach the gospel to every creature. Go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature means all humanity, not just the Jews only. So from that point on, the gospel was unto the Jews. And when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost, then the, the, Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost was given, the church was established, and from there, Gentiles began to be saved. The Lord used Peter to open that door with Cornelius in his household, who was an Italian. Cornelius was of, of, of the Italian extraction, as the Bible calls it. And uh, he was saved, his family, and from there on, the Gentiles began to save. Samaritans, then, then there was the Gentiles, and from that point on, Gentiles began to be saved. When God called Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, he made Paul to be the Apostle to the Gentiles. He said, I've called you for the purpose to be specifically to them. And so Paul even refers to that in the Word of God here, and he talks a little bit about it. So he talks about the Jews in a little bit, and he talks to it from the standpoint of, I am, I am a Jew, but I am the Apostle to the Gentile. Let me read a few verses to you. Look at 11.11 here. He said, I say then, have they, <clears throat> the Jews, stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles. In other words, they have a chance to be saved for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them, the Jews, be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? In other words, when they come back into the grace of God, how much more is there going to be for the Gentiles as well when that happens. Now he says in verse 13, for I speak to you Gentiles in as much as I am the, the apostle of the Gentiles. The, that word the means I'm the only one. I am the apostle to the Gentiles. And he says, I magnify my office in the sense that he says, I'm speaking now to you as a Gentile. I'm a Gentile, you're a Gentile. And then he goes on to say here, verse 15, for all, if the casting away, this is eleven fifteen. If the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Now, he's talking about the Jews, and he's saying God has not cast them away, and so there's coming a time when God will bring them back into his favor. Everybody still with me? So he says in verse 17, and if some of the branches, now he uses the, uh, the olive tree here for a, a symbol, and this is well known, this is why I'm referring to it. If some of the branches be broken off and thou being a wild olive tree wert grafted in among them. And of course, all of you that know anything about uh, fruit trees and things, they have to graft in high quality limb from a high quality tree into just a basic seedling in order to make them a high quality tree as well. The grafting is what does it. And it says, says, thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, 
and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. He says, boast not against the branches. In other words, don't boast against the Jews. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root bears thee. In other words, you, they were first and they have a foundation by which we are built upon. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. He says in verse 20, well, because of unbelief they were broken off. <clears throat> and thou standest by faith. You're in because of your faith. They, were, they lost out because they had no faith. Then he says to them, be not high-minded, but fear. And what he's saying here is don't be arrogant about your place in God and the Jews not having a place in God because God is able, he goes on to say, to graft them in again. Verse 21, for if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Verse 22, behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fall severity, but toward the the goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, if thou continue, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Now, there is no eternal security. You understand? This, this verse of scripture, there was none other, and there's a lot of others. If there was none other, it would void any eternal security. He would say, just be careful as you walk with God, love God, praise the Lord, be thankful for what you have, and don't be high-minded about anything. Finally, in verse 23, they also, talk about the Jews now, if they abide not still in unbelief, <clears throat> shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Now, Paul goes on to say in this 11th chapter, and I want you to stay with me on this, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. Uh, don't be... Uh, don't be ignorant of this mystery. And uh, then I'm gonna, he goes on to say, for that the blindness in part has happened to Israel. And so he says here, do not uh, be ignorant of this mystery. Let me talk to you about the mystery. I want you to go with me over to uh, the, the, book, the book of Ephesians, I believe it is. Look at Ephesians chapter three. I'm gonna show you what the mystery is. Everybody still with me? He says, now, now remember, he's in Romans here, and he's talking about, for I would not, brother, that you be ignorant of this mystery, how that the Jews are blind, they have blindness in part until, excuse me, until, and then I'll talk about the until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Here's what the mystery is. Look over in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, <clears throat> as it is now revealed unto his apostles and prophets by the spirit. Now this is also mentioned in other writings as well. Other, uh, I think he, uh, Galatians also mentions it. Verse six, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. This is the mystery. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. <coughs> Excuse me. So what Paul is saying here is that God has revealed to me the mystery. The Jews did not see it. They did not understand it. They said, what? Gentiles can be saved? No way. That's what the Jews say because salvation is to the Jews. This is the way the Jewish people felt. 
uh, whenever the message of Paul's message of the Gentiles came to the Christian Jews, they all said, well, Godspeed, God bless them, you know, just uh, keep the commandments and uh, they let it go at that. But they were not evangelistic to go out and try to convert the Gentiles. I'm talking about the Jews of Jerusalem. But that was Paul's job. He and Barnabas, and later on, he and Paul, Paul and Silas went out and they did their missionary work. They preached and they preached, and people got saved, and miracles happened. It's over among the Gentiles. And so, what he is saying here was that this was God's divine plan, and it was called a mystery. They did not understand it, they did not know what it was all about. And so, Paul said, I understood the mystery of God. And so, he goes on to say, uh, what the mystery was. I read verse six again, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And so that was the mystery. Now, when you read over here in Romans, this is interesting. When you read here in Romans, he says, for I would not brethren that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. I'm going back to Romans eleven twenty-five. Lest ye should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. In other words, there's going to be a time whenever this mystery or the, 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 the opportunity for Gentiles and Jews all to be saved or anybody can be saved is no regard to God. There is a time when that will be and then it will come to an end. And it's called the time of the Gentiles. Uh, I want you to look in, uh, in, uh, in Luke uh, chapter uh, 21, Luke 21. This is a prophecy of Jesus when he was teaching and ministering on earth. Luke 21, 24. And uh, he's talking here about the temple being destroyed. In 21, 20. In, in 2120, it says, and when ye shall see Jerusalem compass with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is near, nigh, nigh is near. Then he talk, goes on to talk about how there's going to be a great judgment against this people. And then finally in verse 24, and he's talking about the Jews here, and they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword. And it did happen in 70 AD, just like Jesus prophesied it would happen. Folks, the word of the Lord is always right. It'll always be the way he has said, always. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And they were. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And that's uh, the same thing that uh, Paul says over here in Romans when he speaks about it here in this 25th verse, until the fullness of the Gentile be come in. So there's a period of time in which God will deal with the Gentiles. I want you to know that. And it's called the dispensation of grace. If we were to uh, look again back in Ephesians, I think it's chapter 3 and verse 2. You know, put that on the overhead here. Chapter 3 and verse 2 of Ephesians, it talks about the dispensation of grace. The dispensation of grace, that's what we are in today. That was given unto Paul to give to the Gentiles. Do we have it up there? He said, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you. And so this is the dispensation of grace that we're in today. It's not the dispensation of the law. It's the dispensation of grace. And it means that God has extended to us his favor 
without us ever having learned it. That's what the grace of God is. The grace of God is God's goodness. It is his kindness. It is his mercy. It is, his, uh, it is him doing for us, giving to us when we have never earned it and we have no right to it. It's called the grace of God. And the Lord, by his spirit, will send the grace of God unto the Gentiles. Can I just tell you something? I don't know how many of you have experienced this, whether you're saved or unsaved. And if you're saved, I'm sure you have at one time experienced it. But when you're in the house of God and the word of God goes forth, sometimes you will feel the moving of the spirit of God. Sometimes if you're, if you're not saved and you come to the house of God, you'll feel goosebumps like the preacher's preaching and you'll just feel the, that's the grace of God. That's the spirit of God moving upon you for you to be saved. Praise the Lord. When I first went to the, when I first went to the, the, well, when I went to church at night, I got saved. Boy, I felt the Lord dealing with me and I was just saying, I'll be, I'll be hope. I wish this service would get over with because I don't know how much longer I can stand this. I mean, it was like I was feeling, you know, the bees are buzzing. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know how to describe it and everything. Finally, I said, okay, okay, I'll go to the altar and I'll repent. And I did. And I turned to the Lord and got saved and, for, and I've been living for him ever since. But I'm just saying that was the grace of God. That spirit of God is the grace of God to me. Praise the Lord. That's the grace of God to us Gentiles. Everything about God is the grace. Calvary is the grace of God to us. Remember what the Lord said to that Syrophoenician woman? Is it meat for me to take bread from the children's table and give it to dogs? She was wanted to be, her daughter to be healed. And he, I mean, he talked rough to her. I'm not, I, I can't take the Jewish, you know, things that belong to them and give it to you Gentiles. That's what he was saying in essence. She said, no master, but the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the children's table. The, 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 you know, from the table. And he said, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. Your child is healed. Go your way. Praise the Lord. And she was trying to say, I'll take anything you will give me, Lord. But that was the grace of God being given to her personally. But whenever the Lord allowed us Gentiles then to be saved, the grace of God is extended to us. That means Calvary and the shedding of his blood and the price he paid, the redemption price that he paid that was to go to Israel has now come to us Gentiles and therefore we can be saved. Anybody can be saved. And this is the beauty of it, folks. Let me go a little bit further. I don't care how wicked you've been. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what all the stuff in your life is, is there. If you will follow the Lord, if you'll obey his word, if you'll let the Lord talk to you and speak to your heart and come to an altar of repentance, I want you to know the Lord will give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You, be, you, you can be baptized in his name and have your sins washed away. The Bible promises that. I'm telling you the beauty of the grace of God that has been extended to us Gentile when we had no right to it. And we don't know that now. We don't, we don't think that. We said, oh, well, you know, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You got a right to it then. You know, no, no. Back then, we had, they had no right to it. But the Lord extended that grace to them. I'm so glad that the Lord sent a Pentecostal preacher to my hometown when I was a kid. It was back before that even, back before I was even born, he did. But I heard that preacher preach, and my family heard him preach. My grandmother got saved. And, and then uh, different ones in the family and uncles started getting saved. And 
I went to an altar and I got saved. You know what I mean? I'm so glad that God gave us a preacher in that little northwest town, Pensacola up there, to, to my family, you know? We were just poor people. We were just, you know, my dad was raised on a farm. My mom was raised in the city, just working people, working. You know what I'm talking about. We were just poor people, but God had mercy on us. And God had mercy on you. I don't know your background. I don't know where all you come, but you know where it was. And it's the mercy of God toward us. It's the grace of God, the grace of God. Praise the Lord. And Paul said in one place, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I don't frustrate the grace of God. God's grace is given to us and the Lord wants us to be saved. And he tugs at our hearts and he pulls at our heartstrings. And if we're not careful, we can resist, 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 resist. And the Lord's trying to save us. And Paul said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I say, thank you, Jesus, for your wonderful grace that you have extended to us. And every one of us have a story. Every one of us have a story about how that the Lord sent the word our way. I thank God for preachers. I think the Bible said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how can we hear lest there be a preacher? Amen. You got to have a preacher. And thank God for our pastor. He'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, he will. They have it. They have it. I saw some films, and they're in Madagascar now, and big conference going on. Uh, I don't know. They're, they're partly into it. There's already they've had a couple thousand people get the Holy Ghost. I mean, I mean, masses of people, tens of thousands of people. And I'm just telling you here that God is just uh, doing a great work and and uh, everything. But they'll be back home. He says, and he texts and said. I can't wait to get back, praise the Lord. I wish he was back today for this celebration here and this honor that we're giving all of these first responders uh, to 9-11 and the jobs that they do all the time. Praise the Lord. Let me move on here because Paul was trying to let them know that this was the, the spirit of grace, the spirit of God. The reason I'm talking about it is because God is going to restore Israel. He's going to restore Israel. I'm going to give you a a timeline here, a chart. Let me show you. This is the time of the Gentiles. I'll let the light come up on that. <laughs> you don't want it that way, do you? How about that one, huh? All right. Can you see that? I don't know if you can or not. If you'll look at this, this is the Old Testament. This is Calvary. This is the New Testament, church age. Old Testament, New Testament. And this is the rapture that's yet to take place. We're living right about here. This candlestick represents the seven golden candlesticks in the book of Revelations, chapter 1 through 3. That John saw them. They represent the church, church age. This is Calvary, as I mentioned a while ago. And this Old Testament, Abraham here is the middle of the Old Testament, 2,000 before years, 2,000 years after him. Now, I've got a little red line here. I don't know if you can see this or not. But at this time, this is where the children of Israel were taken captive the first time by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian captivity. It's about 500 years before. It was actually 606 B.C., before Calvary. And uh, from that time on until over here where this other red line is drawn, from this time to this time is the time of the Gentiles because ever since the Babylonians conquered 
Israel in 606 BC, Israel has never been independent of Gentile powers. Never been independent of Gentile powers. It's been a time of the Gentiles. And then in 70 AD, which happened right, right, about, right about here, when 70 AD happened, they were scattered then again into all the world. And it's been the time of the Gentiles and also the time of the church age right in through here. So this is all, <clears throat> all the time of the Gentiles. So that the, the uh, Jewish people are subject to Gentile powers. They'll never be totally independent until right here. I'm going to talk to you about this in just a moment. But uh, they will always be subject to Gentile power. It always has been. Uh, whenever Babylon uh, was conquered by the Media Persians, then the Media Persians became the overseers of the Jewish people and of Israel. It was Cyrus the Great who gave them permission to go back and rebuild the temple in 536 B.C. and under Nebuchadnezzar and under uh, Zerubbabel and so forth. <clears throat> and so forth. And from that time on, they were always subject unto these uh, Gentile powers. Uh, so they were very loyal to the Media Persian Empire, which is Iran today. Very loyal to the uh, Persian Empire. Uh, ironically, ironically, uh, when Alexander the Great was on his march, this was like about 35 BC, and he was conquering the world. He was approaching Jerusalem, and they told him, they said to him, now listen to this, and this is true. This is history. It's found in the book of Josephus. Josephus was a Jewish historian who lived uh, in the day of the early, uh, the first century. He was born seven years after Jesus was crucified. He was in that first century. But Josephus, in his writings, and uh, he has a very thorough writing of Jewish history, Josephus says that when Alexander the Great was approaching Jerusalem, his generals and his people had told him, these people are very loyal to the Medes and Persians. They are your enemy. You must conquer them. And they've been very loyal to them. And so I just want to let you know what kind of people you're coming up on, these Jewish people in Jerusalem. And he said, we will devastate Jerusalem. We'll level it to the ground. He said, there won't be anything left when I am through. And this was about, this is like about 35 B.C., uh, 335 B.C. Alexander was approaching that city, and those priests were inside, and they were praying. And they were saying, God, you've got to give us an answer. We know how this guy feels toward us. He's already sent word. I'm going to lay you guys low. I'm I'm going to destroy your city, everything. And everything, and the Lord spoke to those priests. I don't know how he did it, whether it's a vision or whether he just spoke words. He said, put on your priestly attire and go out and meet him outside the city before he gets to the city. And they told the priests to do that. And they said, all right, let's do it. So those priests went outside in their priestly attire. Now, they had regular clothes, and then they had these priests, which was linen, white linen and stuff that they wore. And they had to do all their services, sacrifices, and everything in, that, in this attire. And they went out to meet him. And when Alexander the Great and his mass army of 200,000 men and his generals on all around walk, came riding up on horses, walking up. And he saw and they walked right up to those priests. And Alexander the Great got off of his horse and went down and knelt down before them. And the other guys all looked at each other. What in the world is going on? 
this is history. And this is true. And, the, the, uh, and uh, they all looked at each other. And then he said to those priests, he said, I will not harm you. I will not hurt you. I will leave your city totally intact. We're just passing through. And we'll, we will not do anything. And so he got back on his horse. And one of his generals said to him, I don't understand. I thought you were going to wipe out this city. He says, when I had a vision when I was very young and the Lord told me I would conquer the world, he said, the people that spoke to me was dressed in these, pre these priestly clothes. These men are of God. And he said, the vision that I had was a man dressed like this talking to me. This is way back before. And you don't even know he ever had that experience until he told, he told his generals that. And then he went into the city. And you know what those priests did? They took the book of Daniel down. And they showed him where he was prophesied in the book of Daniel that he would come. And that he would be there. And they told him also, you're going to conquer the world. And you will conquer Persia. You will conquer the media Persian Empire. But you're not going to live very long after that. And your kingdom is going to be divided into four, four parts. They told him. They showed him in the book. And he accepted it. He says, I accept all that. And he went. So that four, whenever he was on his deathbed, they said, who do you want to leave your empire to? He said, it will be left as it has already been determined that it would be left. And that's the way he went out of this world. Alexander the Great I'm talking about. I'm just saying, folks, that all of this shows you, I don't care who's in power, God's word is going to be complete, going to be fulfilled. So whatever, whichever one of those four parts of his empire took over the media Persian, that part of it ruled over Jerusalem Amen. And so the Jews were subject to that one. Later, they were subject then to the Romans, you know, on and on. And they have been, even to this day, they've been subject to Turkey or, Turkey or some other uh, empire. And uh, today, they are still dependent on America. They need America. Uh, if you go to Israel, you say, what's your capital city? They'll say Jerusalem. If you ask any Jew, what's your capital city? They'll say Jerusalem. You ask any other nation in the world, what's the capital city of Israel? They'll say Tel Aviv. I don't care if it's America, you know, if it's Germany, is it England, is it France, Italy, anywhere in the world, China. You ask any country in the world, what's the capital city of Israel? They'll say Tel Aviv. You ask the Jews, they'll say Jerusalem, you see. They're the only ones that recognize themselves. Everybody else still recognizes Tel Aviv which is not Jerusalem, you know? And so, and I've been there and, I, and Tel Aviv is where most of the stuff, but Jerusalem has a little of it going on too. They're trying to make that all happen, but it's a city divided. I'm only telling you that folks, that the word of God is exact as it can be. It's called the time of the Gentiles. I'm gonna show you in the Bible. I've got about 10 minutes here. I'm gonna show you in the Bible where the Jews will come back into the grace of God. And uh, <clears throat> this is, if you look at this uh, map I've got up there, uh, I apologize. We're going to get a new camera where this thing will be bright. So uh, we got that coming up. This, uh, this area right here says tribulation period. When the rapture takes place and the church is taken away, there's coming some terrible times on the face of the earth. There's going to be some wars like you've never heard of before, honestly. How many of you know about what Korea's doing right now? You, North Korea. Any of you? Any of you in touch with some of you? Someone got your hands up. You ought to know what's going on with North Korea. I mean, they are getting bold. They have got rockets and they've got, they've got them pointed at America with nuclear warheads on them already. 
I mean, sooner or later, that crazy guy over there that's, that's running North Korea is going to do something crazy, I'm afraid. But I'm just saying, this is not the time to play around with God. This is the time to get ready to meet the Lord because God's going to take, take up his church. And his church are Gentiles, Jews, it doesn't matter, whoever is saved. And to be in the church, praise the Lord, you need to repent of your sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, have your sins washed away, and live an overcoming life. Walk with God, serve the Lord, keep his commandments, obey the word, praise the Lord, go to church. That's how we keep our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And and the, the preacher will preach to us and we'll keep the faith. It always boosts our faith, so forth. But the tribulation period, when the rapture takes place, all these calamities will become will begin to come on the earth and way down into the middle of that tribulation period, the Lord will say, okay, it's time now for the mystery of God, which is the church and the Gentiles together to be ended. I want you to go to Revelation chapter 10 with me. Revelation 10, let me give you the verse here. Look at 10, 7. Look very closely here. I'm jumping way over in the middle of Revelation. I don't know. It may be a little unfair to you, but stay with me. Look at 10, 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, that's the trumpet he would blow, the mystery of God should be finished. The mystery, that's the mystery Paul talked about. The mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And here's what, how it goes on. I want you to look at chapter 11. This is only one, two, three, four, five, five verses further down the line here. You look at chapter 11, verse 1. And this is what the angel was saying then to uh, John. There was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood saying, Arise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship therein. Verse two, but the court which is without the temple, leave out, measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And if I had a chart of the temple, I could show you where they had courts, they had a court called the court of the Gentiles, which was the very first court. Then you went into a little higher plane, it's called the court of the women. Then they had one that was called the court of Israel. And then they had another one called the, the court of the priests and so forth. And only the priest could go into the tabernacle. The high priest only could go into the Holy of Holies. That's sort of the the way. But the court of the Gentiles was part of that old temple plan and was part of the old tabernacle plan, in fact. And the Bible says here, when he would measure the temple of God and everything, he says, leave out and measure it not for it's given unto the Gentile, which means the Gentiles now are out of the picture. No more Gentiles were saved after the 11th chapter of the book of Revelation. Everything here is all to do with Jews. And then he goes on to say, here's what it says, and the holy uh, city shall they tread underfoot 40 and two months. That's the Gentiles, that's three and a half years. And, and I shall give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days. That's also three and a half years. That's half of seven, that goes back in ties in with Daniel. These are the two olive trees, verse four, and the two candlesticks standing before the Lord of the earth. And then he goes on to tell us who these two prophets, these two witnesses are. Uh, It says, if any man shall hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devour their enemies. Uh, 
Back in Elijah's time, there were men who went out and tried to arrest Elijah, and he called fire up from heaven, and it consumed those that came out after him. Four times, three times it happened. The fourth guy went out and said, Elijah, please, please come. The king wants you, and I don't want fire to come down. Just, just obey, would you? That's the way the fourth captain came out, captain of 50. And uh, so anyhow, that was Elijah. And it goes on to say here then, these two olive trees, Verse 5, and if any man will hurt them, fire proceeded out of their mouth and devoureth them. And if any would be hurt, they must this man be killed. Verse 6, here's identification of who these two prophets are. These have power to shut the heavens that it rained not on the days of their prophecy. This is Moses. I'm sorry, this is Elijah. And having power over waters to turn them to blood, that was Moses. And to smite the earth with all plagues, Moses, as often as they will. So these two prophets, it's going to be Moses and Elijah who will come back to the earth and they will be on the earth, and they will turn the hearts of Israel back to God. Now, my time's getting away. I want you to go to Zechariah 12 for a moment. Zechariah 12. And I have got, I have got you all over the place here today. Zechariah 12 here speaks about this grace that's been given to the Gentiles. Now, in 12, 9... Here's what will happen when God gets ready to turn the hearts of the Jews back to him through these two prophets. He says in verse 9, And it shall come to pass in that day, this is 12, 9 of Zechariah, It shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And look at verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. Everybody see that? And all of a sudden, they will have the spirit of grace. That's God's favor when they have not deserved it. You understand what I'm saying? Same thing I said while I go about the Gentiles. Now that spirit of grace is given to the Gentiles, and God is going to bring them back into his favor. The spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, Jesus. In other words, they're going to accept Jesus as their Messiah. That's what it all boils down to. They're going to have the understanding. Jesus was our Messiah. When he came, he was the Messiah. We never knew it. We didn't believe it. We didn't accept it. And so they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his own, for his firstborn. And it goes on to say in verse 11, down 14, and I won't read all this, but in that day there should be a great mourning in Jerusalem as the mourning of Sadaramah in the valley of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn every family apart. Then it goes about the house of David and the house of Nathan, the house of Shimei and so forth. How that everybody would go, will be alone. Husbands, wives, families will all get by themselves and they'll get on their face before God and they will repent and they'll call on God and they'll turn back to God. And whenever they do, they will become the people of God on this earth and it will be during this tribulation. The last, seven, the last three and a half years of this tribulation period here. I won't go into detail, but that's a whole study in itself. But I'm just pointing out to you today, folks, that God is going to turn Israel back to him. It's called the restoration. And that's what Paul's talking about in this 11th chapter. And only when Paul wrote it, we did not have the book of Revelation yet written. And Paul, John, the revelator, would later write that. But then he goes on to talk about that. When he says here, he says, this is the mystery. Now he says, the full, when this fullness of the Gentiles be come in, I'm looking here at 1125 of, of Romans, and then he says in verse 26, and so all Israel shall be saved. All Israel shall be saved. Now, one other verse, I'm going to close with this. My time is gone. I got one minute. 
Look at 1129 for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. This is the 29th verse in that 11th chapter of Romans. And I'm closing with that. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means the word repentance here does not mean travail or, or remorse. It means a turn around look at things, a turn about, a change of mind. When we repent, not only do we have remorse for our sins, but we also have a change of attitude about where we're going, what we're doing, and about life in itself. That's change of attitude is a big factor. The Bible says God repented that he had ever made man. He didn't repent in that he, he, uh, he, he you know, did this, but God had a change of attitude about, uh, about having made man back before the flood. In other words, they're wicked and so forth. So the Bible says here that God, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, without a change of attitude from God. Let me say one thing. When God calls, he doesn't make mistakes. You understand what I'm saying? When God, praise the Lord, calls and gives gifts, he doesn't make mistakes. They're there, they're ours, they're given to us. Your call to be a, a child of God and to live for God and to serve the Lord and the gift of the Holy Ghost, praise the Lord, is not by mistake from God, amen. He has given us a wonderful thing and we should always praise God and thank him for it and glorify God for his goodness to us. Aren't you glad you know the Lord? God is so good. He's so good to all of us, so many ways. Good to his people, but he is good to all of us. It rains on the just and the unjust alike because he's good to all of us. Let's stand together. Let's lift our hands and worship him. Let's praise him right now. Would you just praise the Lord with me? Jesus, we love your name. We thank you for your goodness and blessings, Lord. Thank you for the privilege to know, to know you, Lord. We ask you to bless our morning service. Bless the, uh, the quality of this service, the purpose of it, Lord. We ask you, Jesus, to send your anointing, your blessings, your goodness. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.